week, I looked up uh, some of the most common fears that people face. And I want to give you just a few of them. We'll have them on the screen. The, the first one was the fear of heights. How many, how many of you, that makes you queasy right now as you see that? Yeah, some of you, yeah. I, I have a deep fear of heights, man. I, I can't handle it. And uh, seeing that and putting it in the slideshow was was a very fearful act for me, okay? Let me just tell you. And I, I have a fear of heights. A lot of you have a fear of heights. I also have this fear of spiders and snakes. I, I don't know if any of you ever had this dream, but when I was a kid, and even now, sometimes I will have this dream where my backyard have you ever had this dream? Is covered in snakes. Literally like every ounce of it. And I can't walk around without hitting a snake. And I wake up in sweats. Like I still have that fear today. I think another fear that's pretty common is a fear of the dark. And this is not just for you kids like that have a fear of the dark. You might have that. But I've mentioned before going to the lava tubes and hike the lava tubes in northern Arizona. If you don't know, it's this hike where you go not up a mountain, you go under the ground and there was this moment where me and some pastor friends of mine, we turned off our headlamps at the end of this tunnel and it was pitch dark black. And I was a little afraid. I was a little fearful of the dark in that moment. Just be honest. with Can we be honest in church? Okay. So I have a fear of the dark sometimes. Maybe kids, you do. Adults, maybe you do as well. I think that's a big fear we have. Uh, I think a lot of us have this next one. It's a fear of public speaking, what I'm doing right now. There's this great quote by Jerry Seinfeld, this comedian who says, like, at a funeral, most people would rather be in the casket than standing on stage giving the eulogy. Isn't that great? Because it, public speaking, I mean, it's so fearful for so many people. It has been for me. People ask me, Tim, are you ever nervous when you get up to speak? And I say, every Sunday, every Sunday, it's a fearful thing to stand in front of you. You're beautiful people, but, you know, it's a fearful thing. And then I looked up just, there were some random fears. Like, like one was just uh, getting peanut butter stuck on the roof of your mouth. That's a fear people have, apparently. And then I think a fear a lot of us have in 2023 is a fear of reaching in your pocket and your phone is not there. You ever have that panic attack? Yeah. And I think uh, just to be vulnerable in church again today, uh, I have a fear of cotton. I know. If you're weird today, you're welcome here because I'm weird too, okay? Uh, I have a fear of cotton. I always have had this since I was a little kid of like, specifically like you see on the screen, when you take the cotton out of the medicine bottle, it just gives me the heebie-jeebies. It gives me the chills. And so I, have, is I got a friend in the, in the room today, another weird guy in the room today. I have to have my wife pull out the, the cotton of our medicine bottle, bottles. Again, you're welcome here if you're weird, Okay. But we have all these kinds of fears. And the reality is this, fear is just a part of life. And yet, if we don't manage our fears, they will manage us. And they will crush and cripple us. And you, you see it in, in families. You see it in, in friendships. You see it in our nation. I believe many of the reasons why we have such divisiveness around politics, it's out of fear. And so if we don't know how to get a handle on our fears, if we don't know how to overcome our fears, they will overcome us. And so we've got to look at that. And so that's what we're doing today. And we're going to look at the life of Gideon because he was a man who was very fearful. And we're going to go to that in Judges chapter 6. And we're going to read this portion of the story where you really see fear is running his life. In fact, that's our sermon title for the day, How to Let Fear Run Your Life. And so if you have your bulletin, you'll see that in there. If you take notes, how to let fear run your life. 
And so what I want to do today is read a portion of this story, and then I want to look at two key obstacles, two key things that were causing Gideon to be fearful. And then I want to look at two remedies in the midst of Gideon's insecurity of how he's able to overcome that fear with the help of God. All right, so that's where we're headed. Judges chapter 6, look at the text with me. We'll start in verse 11. And it says this. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Oprah. Not to be confused with Oprah Winfrey. Which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? And he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. Uh, Kids in the service, you should have a handout in that activity bag. And I just said twice your phrase that you need to be counting. The Lord is with you, or God is with you. Anytime you hear that, kids, you can mark that down, take it back in the lobby, get a prize afterwards. But How to let fear run your life. Here's the first way if you take notes. You let fear run your life if you choose comparison over calling. You choose comparison over calling. Let me set the scene here as we parachute into chapter 6 of the book of Judges. Uh, This is an interesting time in Israel's history. Uh, This is an in-between time in Israel's history that before the book of Judges, what you had is is God leading the people of Israel through leaders that maybe you've heard of, like like Abraham and and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and Joshua and those guys. And then we know a little bit later, God led Israel through kings, like King Saul and King David. But there was this in-between time where they didn't have these kings, they didn't have the leaders like Abraham and, and Moses. What they had was was judges, and they had judges because this was a chaotic time in Israel's history. In fact, the whole book can be summed up in the last verse of the whole book, which says the people did what was right in their own eyes. You see that mentioned several times in the book of Judges, and as you can imagine, when people do what's right in their own eyes, things don't go well. And things didn't go well for the people of Israel in the book of Judges. Often you would see this cycle in the book of Judges that would just repeat itself. It was this cycle of they would do what was right in their own eyes. They would disobey what was right in God's eyes. They would disobey his commands. And then you would see discipline. And uniquely, God would bring discipline through an enemy like the Midianites that we see here. God would allow an enemy to oppress Israel, to attack Israel. And so you see this disobedience by the people of Israel. Then you'd see this discipline by God through an enemy. And then you would see deliverance primarily through God raising up who we would call a judge. And so you have people like Samson, and and here we have Gideon. And when you think about judge, don't think about like a a man or woman in a courtroom with a black gown and a gavel. That's our judges today. That's different than these judges in that day. Judges in this day were like military leaders. As you think about it, kids, think about like the Avengers, 
okay? These are special people with special authority sent in to, to bring a rescue, to bring a deliverance in the midst of a crisis. And as we look at the life of Gideon, you need to be thinking about Captain America, okay? Because if you know the story about Captain America, just this really weak dude, fearful dude, and then the, the people get a hold of him, and then he's this mighty warrior, right? That's kind of Gideon's story. In chapter six of Judges, we see him as a weak, fearful man. And yet God gets a hold of him and he becomes a mighty warrior. So that's a a little bit of the scene. As as we just read in chapter six, what you see pretty clearly right off the bat is Gideon's fear. Verse 11, look at the text. It says blatantly he was hiding from the Midianites. And it tells us what he's doing in hiding. He's, He's beating out wheat in a wine press. And just some context around that. In that day, they would beat out wheat by typically being outside on top of a hill where there was wind. And they would grab a pitchfork and get a bunch of wheat and throw it up in the air. And the chaff, the lightweight chaff that you didn't want, it would blow away. And yet the wheat would stay and they would gather that up in the basket and make bread, all kinds of things with the wheat. And so making and, and beating out wheat in a wine press wasn't efficient, nor was it effective. Because you weren't on top of the hill, you weren't outside, you were, you were down below, typically in a divot in the ground, and there was not much wind, and it wouldn't separate like it would outdoors. And so Gideon is doing something that's not very efficient, not very, very effective. Why? Well, because he's letting fear run his life. He's fearful of the Midianites. Since we get some context, we just read a few pages in the book of Judges. But those few pages are seven years of oppression from the Midianites to the Israelites. And what we see, even if you go back and read the beginning of chapter six, it would say often they would, and then they would. Like they did this often. They would take the livestock. They would take the crops of the Israelites. They would take their wheat. And so Gideon is doing what a lot of other people are doing. He's hiding out, trying to preserve their goods that are being stripped from them by this enemy in the Midianites. So he's, he's fearful, he's, he's hiding. And that's where we see this angel of the Lord, look at the text, raise him up as a deliverer. Verse 12, angel of the Lord shows up to Gideon, gives this big declaration. The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor, O mighty man of bravery. And I love Gideon because he debates both of those statements. Do you see that in verse 13? The Lord is with you. Gideon says, no, no, no. Look at all this bad stuff happening. Impossible for the Lord to be with us. And then he debates the next statement. Oh, I'm not mighty and brave. Like I know what mighty and brave looks like. And he references God through Moses rescuing the Israelites out of Egypt. And many of you know the story. He did that through parting a sea. And Gideon says, hey, this is not that. And I love the angel's response. Again, look at it in verse 14. The angel says, Gideon, go in this might of yours. Save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? I love the angel says, hey, Gideon, I'm not talking about Egypt, I'm not talking about Moses, I'm not talking about the parting of a sea, I'm talking about you right now. And I'm here with you right now. And the Lord is gonna be with you right now. And so you need to stop looking over here, you need to start looking right in front of your face. I'm an angel of the Lord, and I'm calling you. See, what's so fascinating to me as I read this story is just that idea that 
that Gideon is just missing out on so much out of fear that he's looking over here at a picture of what he thinks is powerful, like God rescuing the Israelites out of Egypt through Moses, the parting of a sea. And he thinks, hey, that is what's powerful. So much so that he's missing the power of this moment. An angel is calling him. And many of you know, like an angel in the Bible, uh, don't think touched by an angel from the 1990s, like a nice British woman. (laughs) That's not what this is. Don't think like the little paintings of the the cute little baby with the chubby cheeks and and the chubby cheeks hanging out. That's not biblically what an angel is. This was a mighty warrior standing in front of Gideon, this fearful man. And he misses the power of that moment because he's comparing it to the power of another moment. But how many of you know, comparison kills courage. Comparison causes you to deepen in the midst of your fear. It causes you to miss out on the power of God in your life because you're constantly looking at it in in other people's lives. I remember this happened to me. We first started Phoenix Bible Church. Some of you know our story. We came down here with a mega church, with a celebrity pastor, like a big hype train. And all that was taken away from us in three months. And you just had a little old me, right? And I remember in those days and in those weeks, as we started Phoenix Bible Church, I would constantly just compare myself. I would look at that other thing that I had seen that was big, the parting of the Red Sea for me like a a celebrity pastor that wrote a lot of books, that had a big following, that that would call people to an invitation, like at the end of the sermon, it would call people to get baptized and like people would just fill the aisles. And and I remember it's the vulnerable moment again for me. I'm just keeping that going all day today. That's what we do here at Phoenix Bible Church, get vulnerable. And I just remember talking to my wife, it was our very first Easter as Phoenix Bible Church. And I was like, babe, do you think, like, because we do baptisms at the end of our Easter service, I was like, do you think anybody will get baptized? She's like, what do you mean? And I was like, I just, I don't know if I'm him. (laughs) I don't know if I'm that guy. I don't know if God can do it through me. And I remember she just said, Tim, it's not about you. (laughs) Don't you just love your wife when she calls you out, men, and says what's true in God's word? It's not about him either, which was also true. It's about the word of God, empowered by the spirit of God, through the son of God, in the midst of the people of God, and you got all that, and that's all you need. And I remember that first, that first Easter, four people got baptized, and one person on the spot, and it was through something I had said that I didn't really know I had said in my sermon, and as she was recounting what I said, I was like, I don't know who said that, and I was just reminded, oh, God said that. And her life was forever changed. And I just started to realize like, oh, God's power can work through me too, uniquely, not because of me, but because of the God who has called me. You see, how many times are we robbed of that power because you're looking at something else? Let me just tell you, we struggle with this in 2023 because we have comparison devices that fit in our pockets. Anybody? How many of you, you think you have an amazing job till you look on Instagram and see somebody else's amazing promotion? How many of you, you think, wait, we had a great vacation, babe. I mean, I think the kids had fun. It's a blast. Until you look at somebody went to Hawaii, not San Diego. They're like, oh, okay, well, that would have been nice. And how many times does comparison rob you of your joy? 
your confidence. It causes you to be fearful. It causes you to shrink back and think, well, I'm not like him. I'm not like her. So I couldn't do this. And listen, God doesn't need you to be like him or her or that person out there. God needs you to be who you are, who he's uniquely created you to be, what he's uniquely called you to do for such a time as this in your neighborhood, in your workplace, on your vacation. That's the power. And many of us, how do we let fear run our lives? We're just always looking out there. We're always looking around instead of looking up at the God who created us and called us. And so we see from Gideon, man, he's reminded over and over, hey, you know what? The Lord is with you. The Lord has called you. And that's all you need. How are you letting fear run your life by looking at comparison instead of your calling? And God wants to raise us out of that. God wants to deliver you out of that for his purposes, for his glory. Here's the second way we let fear run our lives. It's we focus on our weaknesses instead of God's presence. We focus on our weaknesses instead of God's presence. Look back at the story with me. The angel says, hey, Gideon, I'm sending you. Gideon says, you got the wrong guy. Verse 15, he says, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest and I'm the least in my father's house. Gideon basically says, I am the weakest member of the weakest family in my town. How can I? And what I love is God says, he responds with, because I. You see that? Gideon says, how can I? And God simply says, because I because I will be with you. Do you know who I am, Gideon? Do you know my character and nature? Do you know my person and work? Do you know that I am the same God who rescued your forefathers out of slavery, that I parted a Red Sea, but I'm just, I'm God. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I am the end and the beginning. I encompass everything. I hung the stars in the sky. I set the planets in motion. And I, because I am with you, your your question of how can I is irrelevant because of the one you're with. You see, how many of you know the power is not in you, it's the power in in the one you're with. I saw this in my life. Uh, My brother-in-law, I mentioned this before, he's in a band called Flyleaf. And there's been a few times in my wife and I's life where we've been able to go to a concert and, and sometimes my brother-in-law's band, like they're playing with these other bigger bands that I loved when I was in high school and college and a different man than I am now. And I, I would love going to those concerts because I'd go with my brother-in-law who was in this band and he would give us VIP passes. And so we would get this like, you know, you go to a concert and sometimes like you sit in the yard you know, you go to a concert and you, you sit in the back and you're like, yes, I love you. You too. You're great. And you can barely see them, you know. I, I would go to these concerts and I would be backstage. And, and people would look at me and I didn't look like I was in a band. <laughs> and so they would think like, I don't know if you should be back here. And I would always love that moment where I'd sling my VIP pass around in their face. And I just let them know. And I would say, hey, I'm with him. And he's supposed to be here. And I'm with him. The power is not in you. The power is in the one you're with. And if you are in Christ, you're not with my brother-in-law in a band called Flyleaf. You're with the God of the universe. If you are in Christ, you are in him. And his presence is with you. The power is not in you. The 
power is than the one that you are with. Now, why is this so powerful? Why does twice he say, hey, the Lord is with you? Hey, I'm with you. Why does Jesus, why does he get this title of Emmanuel? What does that mean? God with us. Why in Matthew 28, the great commission, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Behold, how are we gonna do that, Jesus? Behold, I am what? With you, always, even until the end of the age. Why is that so powerful throughout the narrative of scripture? It's because of this. I think our greatest fear is not snakes and spiders in the dark and guests or public speaking. Our greatest fear is being alone. Our greatest fear, I think Gideon's greatest fear, he says it, right? Like, how is all this stuff happening to us? You seem to have abandoned us, God. His greatest fear wasn't the Midianites. His greatest fear wasn't losing his crops. His greatest fear was he thought God wasn't with him. He thought he was alone. I think for many of us, if we were honest in church today, vulnerable in church today, we would just say, that's my fear too. Like in the, in the hardships, there's a lot, a lot of layers there, but beneath it all, I just, God, are you here? You, you remember this guy? Like the God of the Bible, like you did all these things to all these people. Are you still that same God today? I know your name's Emmanuel. I know, I know you, you came, you put on flesh to let us know you're with us. You lived, died, you resurrected in bodily form, not spiritual form, to let us know you're with us. You did all of this to let you know we're with us. And yet in those hard moments and those difficult moments and those fearful moments, we wonder if that's really true. Because we, would, we know what we did last night. Come on, somebody. We, we know what we, we did growing up. We see these kids on stage and some of you are like, man, I, I was not at VBS when I was a kid. I was not serving at VBS when I was a teenager like some of our teenagers were. And you, you know you, like Gideon knew him. And he was very in tune with your, his weaknesses and you're very in tune with yours. And beneath all that, you wonder, is God with me? Am I alone? And let me just tell you, God would say the same thing to you like in the midst of your situation. You know how I know? Because he said it throughout the whole Bible. You know the, the, the most common command in the whole Bible? You know what it is? Do not be afraid. Oftentimes that was tagged with, for I am with you. That command is true for you today. Do not be afraid. I'm with you. If you're in Christ, I know you did all these things. I know you have all these weaknesses. I know you can't do all these things, but I'm with you. What's interesting about this passage in Judges chapter six is the first few verses, 11 through 13, we see an angel of the Lord, an angel of the Lord. And then we see a switch in verses 14 through 16. If you look at it, you'll just see the Lord. And then the Lord said, and then the Lord said, And there's one moment where Gideon calls the angel, the Lord, and the angel doesn't correct him. And so many scholars and commentators will look at this and say, hey, this isn't just any angel. This angel of the Lord is Jesus Christ. He was with Gideon. That that same Emmanuel in the New Testament, he was Emmanuel in the Old Testament. And he's with you. We see that even in 
Judges chapter 6. See, many times we let fear run our life because we choose to focus on our weakness instead of God's presence. We choose to miss what God wants to do in you, that God is with you, and that's all you need. Amen? And so what I wanted to do this morning is is keep it a little bit shorter and just, just focus on that truth in our lives to give us a moment to assess where you feel weak, where you're looking at everybody else around you and they look strong. And maybe it's because you are looking at their highlights on social media while you're looking at your behind the scenes at home. And it's not the same. It doesn't look that great. Maybe it's you're looking at, hey, past in my life, like I saw God really move in that church way back when. Or I remember Billy Graham. I mean, I saw God really move through guys like him, but I'm not sure if he's doing that today. And you would take your eyes off that over there and start looking right in front of you. Start looking at what I said earlier that God brought two churches together six months ago, younger and older, two different locations, two different names, two different styles in some ways. But with their eyes fixed on Jesus, God brought them together. This imperfect group of people was moved by the perfect love of Jesus. And last week, 200 kids were learning about Jesus Christ. And 10 of them gave their lives to Jesus Christ and are eternally and forever changed. As we awkwardly figure out to come together as adults, as a united church, that is a miracle. You're looking for a miracle, you just saw one. And so let's, let's stop looking over there. Let's stop looking in here. Let's start looking up at Jesus Christ and see the miraculous work he wants to do in you and through you because he's with you. And right now, what is holding you back from that? What, what's holding you back from? Some of you, it's praying. You're so fearful of praying. Some of you, it's, you're so fearful right now of forgiving that other person. Some of you, you're so fearful of repenting. Some of you are so fearful of, of serving. You're like, man, Tim, you keep talking about all these hundred people who served. You want me to serve? Like, I don't know if I can do that. We're, we have all these fears of all these things. And it's like, God is waking us up to that right now and saying, no, I've called you for this moment. I've equipped you for this moment. God equips the called. It's not the other way around. God makes brave the called. He doesn't call the brave. He's not looking for, for capes flapping in the wind today because he won't find one. Not up here either. I ain't got one either. But he'll find some people who just say, hey, okay, I want to I go where you're going, God. I want to pray. I want to serve. I want to share. I want to speak. Not in my own strength, but in yours. Because in Christ, you are with me. What do you need to step out in faith? And trust that God is with you and be used by him today. Maybe stay after. Maybe support the youth mission trip by buying a hot dog. God will use that. Maybe stay after, grab a snow cone, talk to somebody that you don't know. Maybe this Friday, sign up for Guess Who's Coming to Dinner and go to somebody's house and get to know them and be there with them and allow God's presence to be the power in your life. Take that step today. Don't let fear run your life. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, God, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for your presence. God, that right now, in the name of Jesus, we just declare that you are with us. Every single one of us in this room, 
man, woman, child. God, you're, you're with us. And it's by your grace that you so much wanted to show that you're with us, that you came and you lived and you died and you resurrected on our behalf, not because we deserved it, not because we're strong, but because we're weak and you, you love us and you see us and you, you want to use us. God, I just love that you're not just with us, you want to use us. God, I just pray that every single person in this room would know that. They'd be reawakened to that, the impact that you want to do in their lives, in their families' lives, in their friendships, in our church, in our city. God, I do thank you for this, this church and the way you brought it together to make an impact so soon in this, in this union. God, I just, man, I get giddy thinking about what you're going to do in us and through us as you're with us in the next five to 10 to 50 years as you cause us to put down our fears to stop looking around and start looking at you God I pray right now if anybody in this room who's not in Christ who can't confidently say that you are with them because they haven't put their trust in you God that right now they would stop listening to me they would start talking to you and they would give you their sin and they would give you their life and they would trust you for the first time and they would know that you're with them till the end of the age. God, I pray for those of us in this room who do know you, they would be reminded that the power of your presence, the power of being with you. And we have people on the right and on the left down here that, that they can pray with and maybe they need some tangible, they need some, they need some love with skin on this morning to remind them that you are with them. They need some other people to, to speak that over them. God, I just pray that they would come as we sing to the right or to the left to our prayer team and and be reminded of the power of your presence. God, help us to sing about that power this morning. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen.